This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Or under. Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. No NBA Finals or Stanley Cup final game today. But we do have the Belmont Stakes, and if you miss it, friend of the show, Jim Miller from Hawthorne, joined me last night, and for what it's worth, he's taking a shot with spinoff at 15-1. to 1. Now, if you were with us last Saturday on Early Odds, you caught us in anticipation of the House vote and the Senate vote as I was doing the show from Springfield in my hotel room. Once we got to that Senate vote on Sunday, everything changed. We got that Super Bowl XX vote of 46 to 10 from the Senate. And now we just wait on Governor Pritzker's signature. With legal sports betting coming to Illinois, I wanted to bring on someone that has much more expertise on the topic. He's been taking a microscope to the proliferation of sports betting in this country. His name is Jack Andrews. He's on Twitter at CapJack. 2000. Jack, thanks for coming on Early Odds. And I want to start with your overall impressions of SB 690. During my weeknight show, I had Daniel Wallach, he's a sports betting attorney, on, and he called this the most comprehensive gaming bill that he's seen. What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Joe, for having me on here. It's, it's an honor to be on your show. Yes, uh, SB 690 is definitely a comprehensive bill. We haven't seen any state kind of go to the extent of defining how their industry is going to look to the extent that Illinois did, uh, and also to the extent that they did in such a short period of time. There's a lot in there to kind of peel back the onion on, and I think some of the key points are there's a realization that they need to work with the sports leagues. So you have uh, a mandate in there that sports leagues have the right to limit the number of wagers that can be made on their sport and the types of wagers that can be made on their sport. Um, You also have a mandate in there to use uh, official league data to determine lines and and props and things like that. And then, of course, you have the vast array of different types of wagering that will happen in different locations, you know, not just casinos, also racetracks and the sporting venues, which I'm sure you've talked about. Uh, and then, of course, the lottery is involved as well. It's it's quite comprehensive. All right, let's go to a timeline. That's the number one question I've received over the last week, and I 
tell people to hold off. It's tough to give an answer there. Once the governor puts pen to paper, now it goes to the gaming board. And I don't have much experience with that as far as timelines with the gaming board, how quickly they're going to hand out these licenses. So what are the next steps? Well, you know, the gaming board doesn't have much uh, experience in running sports betting either. So they're going to have to kind of plan it out. And fortunately for the gaming board in uh, Illinois, they have other states to copy. So New Jersey was one of the first into the market following the fall of PASPA last May, uh, May of 2018. And they, they copied Nevada. And subsequent states have copied New Jersey, and subsequent other states will copy uh, all the other new emerging states as they come online. Now, how long will it take to draw up these regulations? It remains to be seen. It could uh, just be a few months. It could be an evolving process where they put together temporary regulations and then move to find permanent regulations after the market opens. And I think you mentioned, you know, how long do we start doling out these licenses? Well, we obviously know that the casinos and the racetracks will get licenses as as operators. Uh, it'll be ring to see who these casinos partner with uh, to kind of run the sports betting operation, because basically casinos themselves rarely want to run a one-off sports betting operation, uh, mainly because they want the economy of scale to leverage the, the knowledge of uh, other jurisdictions to kind of set their numbers. So uh, we're going to see some operators try to team up with other operators, uh, and those new operators into Illinois will need to get licensed by the state. Bottom line, my guess is you're not going to have wagering before the NFL season starts. I mean, it's it's a possibility, but it's, it's not a, a strong possibility. Uh, I think the first wagers may be made um, before the Super Bowl, though. So, uh, you know, you're probably looking at about a six-month period here to get everything at least started to be up and running. Yeah, Jack, as you start to break this all down, all the steps that the state will have to go through, the gaming board, uh, the regulations, then you start to hand out the licenses, then various sports books get up and running. So I've been asking many people, and I keep getting different answers. State Rep Zalewski was a lead sponsor on this. He was conservative, and he said the goal was by the Super Bowl. Senator Link, the sponsor on the Senate side, and he said for these bricks and mortars, he could see them up by football season. And then State Rep Bob Rita, also part of this, the lead negotiator, he picked somewhere in the middle. I think somewhere in the middle would be the absolute earliest, right? Definitely. Uh, you know, it would be startling if they had something up by the beginning of the football season. Um, it would it would be really startling when you consider a state the size of Illinois. All right. You mentioned some of the companies that are going to come in and team up with these uh, casinos, racetracks, and sports venues. Which companies have been involved in your larger markets, like in Jersey and Pennsylvania, that you expect to come to Illinois? So what we've seen in other emerging states is there's the willingness of a lot of European companies that have been doing sports betting for quite a few years. They have uh, basically the resources and the back-end systems to facilitate this, and then they have the economy of scale to kind of get it out there and into each jurisdiction quickly. So these casinos are going to be probably approached by a number of European companies that, you know, will offer them, you know, we can run the back end, we can run your risk management, um, and we can be up and running within a number of months. Now, some of the Illinois casinos already have partnerships that extend from uh, alliances they've formed in other states. So, for instance, Rivers Casino, they've partnered with a company called Camby out of Sweden 
uh, and Canby runs their risk management for their casinos in Pennsylvania, uh, the Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh, as well as Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia. Other examples, uh, El Dorado Resort, which they have the Grand Victoria outside Chicago, they partner with William Hill, which is a well-known European sports betting company that (laughs) has been uh, the largest sports company in Nevada for years now. Uh, And then there's other partnerships down the line there. Uh, One of the provisions there in the Illinois bill is that all sports betting must be branded to the host uh, venue, uh, casino or racetrack. So in other words, uh, you won't have an instance where somebody offers a, well, for instance, a William Hill uh, sports book. It'll be still branded as the uh, Grand Victoria sports book. Let's say we have the Jack Andrews racetrack. There's actually a fourth one coming to the south suburbs. So let's say that's the Jack Andrews racetrack. Which company would you choose to bring in? Oh, that's a that's a good question. You know, I'm a fan of the American style of bookmaking. There's actually a, a very strong dynamic between the European style and the American style. Uh, the European style is sports betting should only be done for recreational purposes. So if someone comes along that is uh, smart enough to beat them, uh, they have the right to say, you know, we no longer want your wagers. And uh, and basically only recreational bettors are welcome. Uh, on the American style, you know, it varies, but largely there are some bookmakers uh, from Nevada who have taken the stand of, hey, we're a bookmaker, we're here in the gambling business, so we need to be willing to take a gamble. Illinois is going to see all shades of this. They're going to see guys that are willing to take a gamble uh, because there's going to be a high amount of volume in Illinois, and they're going to see uh, operators that don't want to gamble, and they want just recreational money. Uh, they want a high margin in what is a low-margin industry. So who would I pick? Uh, I would probably pick an American vendor. There's some really strong vendors out in uh, Nevada, the uh, the Superbook, which is at the Westgate there in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. is very strong. They're known to take a lot of action. Uh, the guys down at the South Point in Las Vegas, also known to take a lot of action uh, and take sharp action. I definitely want to pair with uh, someone like that. I would be shocked if there isn't a Superbook in Illinois. What Wasn't that the idea a couple of years ago when they changed their name? They branded themselves as Superbook USA, so they, they're not just viewed as a Nevada company? Yes, exactly. Uh, Jay Cornegay and his team are actively trying to license their brand out to other venues, other jurisdictions, uh, and I think that's going to happen. They've been a, a little slow out of the gate, but I definitely think they could be a strong player in a number of different markets across the United States. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest this week, Jack Andrews. He's on Twitter, at CapJack2000. And something that I've been saying in, in all the interviews that I've been doing, Jack, is that all of this competition is going to be great for sports bettors. Honestly, when this happened a little bit a year ago, the Supreme Court takes down PASPA, I was saying my reaction was, okay, it's going to expand throughout the country, but I'm comfortable offshore. I know a lot of people, of course, use bookies, and they're comfortable. It's going to be very difficult to change habits for people. But once you start thinking about it, this state could max out at, what, 39 sports books in the somewhat near future. There are 10 existing riverboat casinos, six more on the way, including one maybe downtown Chicago. You have four tracks. Each track will have up to three OTBs. And then the sports venues, not to mention the online-only companies in about 18 months from right now. Do you agree that there will be some enticing options for people to leave offshore? Definitely. You know, I was of the same 
thought there, Joe, is I was comfortable in the offshore market. Uh, I envisioned legalized uh, sports betting in the United States as being kind of monopolized by just a couple different companies. Uh, I'm in New Jersey, and what one of the things that I've been amazed by in New Jersey is the amount of competition. And in any kind of capitalistic environment, competition breeds innovation. And uh, for the consumer, innovation is great because there's always something new, something exciting, a different way of doing it that hasn't been done before. Uh, and that's where the legal markets could possibly overtake the offshore market is they will be able to have uh, an innovative and new way of doing something that hasn't been thought of before. And we're seeing it in New Jersey. We're seeing it in some of these other states that foster the competition. We're going to see it in Illinois because they're fostering competition as well. I love that idea of the competition and just changing the game a little bit. We're not just talking about betting before games start and sides and totals and a few prop bets. Okay, so I'm glad you're out in Jersey, so you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Can you explain to our audience what a company like PointsBet is doing out there? Right, so PointsBet is amazing, uh, and I'm I'm not paid by PointsBet in any way, but I will say that they are amazing because they offer action points. Now, anyone who's been around the gambling world for a long time, knows that a lot of your local bookies used to offer action points. And basically that is uh, you bet a team and how many points they win by is the amount uh, uh, times your stake that you win. So in other words, if you're betting $10 a point and your team wins by 14, you get 14 times 10, $140. It's a great way to win a lot of money. It's a great way to lose a lot of money. Uh, for an action junkie, it's it's pretty crazy. And PointsBet offers that. And not only do they offer that on the side of the Cubs game or uh, you know a Bears game or something like that, they offer it on a lot of different things. For instance, I can right now I could bet on the, the slugging percentage that the Cubs will hit today uh, in their game against St. Louis. You know, that, that's, that's ridiculous. Wow. There's so many different options. Um, you know, for a baseball better like me, you know, I'm always used to betting the full game or betting the five-inning line. Well, a lot of these books offer a three-inning line and a seven-inning line. And then in the course of the game, I can bet on whether there'll be a run in the next inning. It gets really minute. Uh, you know, for every game, there's, there's a possible uh, hundreds of derivatives out there. It's quite amazing. Okay, so what else do they offer to entice bettors to come on over to their sports books? What, what are they offering? Is it a lot of bonuses? You're right. So that, you know, that's the other thing. In a, in a competitive environment, we're seeing a lot of player bonuses being offered, uh, acquisition bonuses. They want to acquire the customer. And these companies, especially the ones that have come into this market with, with deep pockets, uh, they're willing to spend up to $500 to acquire a customer. Right now, you could, you could get on a plane, you could fly to New Jersey into Newark Airport, and you could sit there for two or three hours on a layover and sign up at all these various sports books and, uh, you know, go through all their promotions and probably have a net of $3,000 within that time to just sign up and run all these promotions. Now, all these promotions require you to make a bet, and some of them are a loss rebate. Some of them match your bet. Um, there's all different types. But that's the kind of the brave new world of how these casino promotions are going to be working in these competitive states is everyone's going to be competing hard to get the dollar of another sports better.
Yeah, Brave New World is right. That's what I've been trying to tell people. It's something I've stressed when there was so much coverage about the tax rate and uh, State Rep Bob Rita brought it in when he came in as a negotiator at the very end. They went from 20 uh, down to 15 percent. And can you explain what's going on with, with Pennsylvania, the great outlier with legal sports betting that we have? So I mentioned Illinois landed at 15 percent, which I thought was somewhat fair for the size of this state and the third market in the entire country. But Pennsylvania, how are they surviving with a 36 percent tax? Yeah, you know, sports betting is a is a low margin industry, Joe. It's you know, these sports books are holding between five and ten percent total. So while the attention's been on a lot of these monthly numbers coming out of states like New Jersey and and they're doing a three hundred million dollars in handle, you have to remember that just five and five to ten percent of that is what the sports books are actually holding, and then the state taxes that that gross gaming revenue. Pennsylvania basically decided that they wanted to take a more aggressive approach to the taxation. Uh, they made their license fee to be the highest in the country so far. It's $10 million to obtain a sports betting license. Uh, they also made it so that the only competition within the state are going to be the current 12 or 13 physical casinos in the state, and each one of them can have an online presence, um, but they'll, they're restricted to just the brand of that casino. Uh, and then they have this 34% tax rate plus 2% to the local government, so a total of 36% tax rate. Now, Pennsylvania has been a little slow to the market, so we haven't seen what a mature Pennsylvania is going to look like. But I have a feeling that, you know, that 36% is going to have to come out somewhere, whether that comes out of the promotions that are passed on to the user, whether that comes out of the odds they offer on various uh, types of bets. It's yet to be seen. But, you know, Pennsylvania is a good state for Illinois to watch because, their population base is roughly the same. There's roughly 12.5 million people in each of those two states. So how it goes in Pennsylvania is a good indication of how it could go in Illinois. Uh, I was very glad to see that Illinois dropped that tax rate down to a little bit more manageable, 15%. Uh, and I think that would help the operator succeed, foster the competition, bring about that innovation like I was talking about, and, and make for probably a, a better situation than we're going to see in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, over the last couple of years, we lost a couple horse tracks. Maywood was torn down. There's Balmora. They just have horse shows now. But we still have Arlington, and, and there's still Hawthorne, Fairmount, and then one coming to the south suburbs. The reaction with this bill, with three OTBs attached to each racetrack is, boy, this is really saving the industry. But is that temporary or long-term? There's no doubt that sports wagering is kind of a savior to the horse racing industry. Uh, it'll bring people into the track. Uh, they may be only betting sports, but at least they're becoming into the track. Uh, you know, anyone who spent time around horse racing tracks in America over the past couple of years has noticed it just continues to drop, and the average age of the visitor to a horse race uh, track has increased, not decreased. So this will bring about a different demographic into those horse racing tracks. However, the ultimate trend of gambling in the United States is moving to online gambling. You know, online gambling is going to be more convenient than having to drive to some place and, and deal with it. It's also a lower cost overhead to the operators to operate some kind of online gambling. So we know in this Illinois bill there's going to be online gambling attached to this. And eventually that's going to be the trend. People aren't going to want to go to the horse race track. They're going to want to do it on their phone from wherever they are that day. Um, so I think it is d uh, definitely a 
temporary redemption for the horse racing industry and for those tracks, uh, but they're going to also have to adapt to the online end of things as well. Now they've been given the gift of, of having a license, so they will be able to uh, cash in on those online profits as well. Um, but we'll we'll see how, how it actually works out for them. And, and I do also need to add that they're allowed to have slots and table games now, 1,200 gaming positions at each horse track. So there, there's going to be that casino element, and you have 18 months before those online-only companies come in. So uh, get as many customers as you possibly can. Uh, these sports venues, or this is going to be the first state in the country that will have sports books at sports venues inside the venue, outside. Not really sure. They have that five-block radius. What do you think it's going to look like next year? That's a good question because we haven't seen that yet, right? We, uh, the closest we've seen is Washington, D.C. passed a law, and they're going to have uh, sports books at their venues. And I know from reading some plans is that the, uh, the arena there in downtown Washington, D.C. Uh, is going to have a massive sports book. In fact, it's, it's actually projected that it can handle daily traffic of 20,000 people through the sports book. And it's going to be open whether there's an event at the arena or not. And so uh, that's going to be kind of a hub of watching games, of hanging out, of, of being there even not on game days. And then there's that whole twist of in-game betting while you're sitting at the arena watching the game. Um, that could be a whole other thing. Uh, you know, I would love to see a sports team owner uh, who owns one of these venues to discount the price of tickets uh, as a result of the amount of money that they're bringing in for from the sports betting. Maybe have a deal where uh, if you open an account with us and you put $100 on your account for the, and bet that for this game, then you can have a, a $10 seat into the game. Um, something like that, where it's uh, you know kind of uh, in exchange for contributing to their revenue in sports betting, you get to take in their, their product of uh, the sporting event. White Sox, are you listening? You're listening, White Sox? I do think there will be a sports book at guaranteed rate for uh, next baseball season. All right, timeline you mentioned early 2020. Jack Andrews, if I were to say attach a month to that, when do you think this launches in Illinois? Whew, that is tough. Um, so, you know, it really greatly depends on how quickly the regulatory body in Illinois acts. And uh, I, I'm not from Illinois, but the general consensus of everyone I've ever known from Illinois is it moves slowly. Uh, <laughs> yes, so. that is 100%. That's why, especially in the last couple of weeks with the DraftKings FanDuel fight Rivers Casino, everybody was saying, and I don't blame them, oh, typical Illinois, this is not going to happen by the end of the session. So if I were a betting man, and I actually am a betting man, um, and the line was set at over under the Super Bowl, will you be able to bet before or after the Super Bowl? I would have to take the over. I would have to say after the Super Bowl. It just it, it seems like a, a long path to traverse to get to legalized betting being up and running uh, in time for the Super Bowl. But, hey, if it happens, you know, kudos to those operators out there. They're going to have a, a great Super Bowl season uh, with all those anxious bettors out there. All right. What if I asked you, will there be big March Madness parties at these casinos and tracks with legalized sports betting? I think that's a little safer bet. 
I hope at least some of them are up and running by uh, mid-March and the March Madness scene. Uh, that was great out here in New Jersey uh, because, you know, the Super Bowl is largely a destination social betting event. People go to Las Vegas to, to bet and watch the Super Bowl. So the crowds in New Jersey weren't that heavy for the Super Bowl. However, when March Madness came around, and that's held on, you know, over the course of a long weekend, and uh, those casinos were packed for March Madness standing room only at just about every one of them as people watched all the games on the big screen. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience to be in the sports book in New Jersey during March Madness. Jack Andrews at CapJack2000 on Twitter. Uh, We learned a lot, Jack. Thanks for your time. And we're going to have to do this again as we get closer and closer. Sure thing. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Once everything launches, whenever that is, it sounds to me that if we have some innovative companies that begin to enter the market, The state's going to have a shot. Maybe it won't just be about the new better. The state will have a shot at luring some of you illegal betters, like myself, out of the offshore market and start to bet in the state of Illinois. The podcast of each and every episode of Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, available on 670thescore.com and, of course, your favorite platforms. Inside the Clubhouse is next on The Score with Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito sitting in for Matt Spiegel. Brandon Kinsler of the Cubs and James McCann of the White Sox, their guests. That's next. Evening shows this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, We'll talk then right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.